Hi, Jim McCausland here, presenter of the Business R Show on Ross FM. Just dropping by to let you know the Business R Show airs every Thursday from 5 pm to 6 pm on Ross FM 94.6. To listen in, visit rossfm.ie forward slash live or download my weekly podcast from anchor.fm forward slash the Business R Show. Text your questions and comments to 083-85-99748 or info at rossfm.ie. The Business R Show, supporting local and international business through local radio. Hello and welcome to a business show on Ross FM with me, Jim McCausland. Today on the show, I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Broderick, skipper of the Lockery Access for All boat. Hi, Alan. Welcome to the show. Very nice to be here, Jim, and many thanks for having me in. It's great to have you in. Alan, uh, for our listeners that don't know about the uh, Lockery Access for All boat, can you tell me a wee bit about it, please? Well, the Lockery Access for All boat, I suppose, it's been a journey over five years. My own background was I've been involved in fish and fishing all my life, literally as a professional and then in, in sports tourism, etc. And over the years, Jim, I was approached by many people, could I provide accessibility on my boats? I have American boats that I rent out to people for angling and they're specialist craft. And they want to know, could I get them onto the boat without any difficulty or whatever? So I'd invite them down, we would look at the prospect of getting on, and invariably, the side of the boat, the traditional way a boat is laid out with the gunnel of the boat rising up, etc., means that you have to lift physically two or three individuals taking the person from a wheelchair or people with reduced mobility into the boat, which they do not want to do, naturally. Mm-hmm. Because number one, they're afraid of their lives that you will drop them, an injury will fall by the way, and also they hate the idea of losing their independence and whatever that, yeah. that is happening. So I had people out in the boat, had wonderful times with them, but it was always this barrier. When did the whole process start? When did you come up with this idea and how did it actually take roots? 2014, I was thinking about it for a long time and I decided, my wife and I, that we were going to investigate the possibility of getting a wheelchair accessible boat made to try to bring that service into the Midlands and Ireland. And I went on a journey that brought me all the way across. This is on the phone now, by the way, and and, and calls with people and Skype calls to uh, the northwest of the United States. There were a number of boat builders because I, I have American boats myself, so I had a lot of contacts. And there was a company on the, the Columbia River in northeastern Oregon, and they made landing craft with, where the bow drops down. And that, to me, was the key emphasis that I was looking at to allow and perhaps if it could be adapted to enable accessibility to the boat. But over the course of conversations and pricing and all of that, and the cost of shipping it over duty and all of that, I realized it would not be fit for purpose because there were basically work boats that were used in the trade of maybe port authority people or bringing out quad bikes, etc., onto islands. But I was looking for something that would be bespoke and would suit the needs of wheelchair users and people with mobility issues on a purpose-built boat. Eventually, I worked my way to Sweden, got talking to a guy called Jonas Nielsen, who himself was a wheelchair user, an angler all his life, following a serious road accident on a motorcycle. He had a boat constructed that enabled him to go out on the Baltic Sea fishing for salmon still, which was his passion. And between jigs and reels and whatever, I wanted to get a boat through context that he had, but the boat builder wasn't available for our needs. And I've tracked down a chap then on the island of Saruman, the Baltic Sea, part of Estonia, and he said he could meet our requirements. 
So, Alan, who were the key people that helped you bring this idea together to get it launched? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the, the journey that brought me to, to Sweden and then to as the island of Sarama, where Alunaut are, I eventually realised I could not do this myself. My wife and I just could not do it. It was a bigger, bigger stage we required. And I had a lot of contact with Kieran Malouli down the years, RT broadcaster, and he's a good pal. And I came up to him because I knew that he was a really strong activist for social inclusion and all of that. And between jigs and reels, I showed him what my plans were. I showed him photographs of what my ideas were. And I said, this is what we need to do. A boat that will enable five to six wheelchair users, which is going to be a game changer, mm -hmm. their carers and a crew to bring them out and give them like sightseeing safaris, fishing safaris, bird watching safaris, maybe picnic lunches on Lockery in the Shannon. And immediately Karen said, let's do it. And so we joined team together, myself and himself, Alan Farrell from uh, Bally League and um, then uh, Philip Gordon. The four of us between us really got behind this and the process of application and meeting barriers and meeting positive people. And then the Roscommon Integrated Development came on board with funding. And lo and behold, it was a five-year journey, but we got the boat in on the 10th of August, 2020. Alan, turning an idea into a work in reality isn't easy. Like many things in life, you can encounter obstacles along the way. Did the team encounter problems at the early stages of the project? And how did you work to overcome those? It's an interesting question you pose because everywhere we went, everywhere I went and pitched, Kieran went and pitched, immediately there was a buy-in by the, by different statutory agencies. Waterways Ireland, for example, immediately said, we would like to come on board and help in any way we can. The Roscommon leader people, when they heard about this, they said, this is you know something that must be done and whatever. Longford, all of the different peoples in different areas, the Irish Wheelchair Association, IWA, uh, the Keena Centre, etc., all said, this is a fantastic project. This, we must try to come together and get it over the line. So really, barriers, yes, we would meet, and the barriers would usually be of a technical nature, and they can always be overcome, but there's a will, there's a way. But on the financial side, etc., we really had a journey there, but we got it over the line, but everyone wanted this thing to happen. Alan, is the idea of a disability access for all boat something that should have been undertaken by uh, the government? At, or should people have had to come together and do this here? Like, it, you're talking about disability access, you're talking basic needs of people. Should that have not have been something that the government got involved in? Well, one of the things, when you Google accessibility in Ireland, mm -hmm. and particularly for the Westmeath, Longford, Roscommon areas, there are only about two different uh, entities that pop up as, shall we say, answering your Google search for accessibility. One would be Hudson Bay Hotel, and then there's one other attraction. But there's nothing really for anyone to do. And I, I am a firm believer in the state should have got in behind this earlier on, years ago, but Whatever happens, they don't. And I suppose it's the old adage, give busy folks a job to do and they get it done. And we have passion and we had the enthusiasm, I suppose, and in a way, I suppose, naivete. And we got this over the line because we decided nobody was going to stop us getting this project that we felt was absolutely critical for inclusivity. Alan, the Lockery Access for All is a boat that symbolises a change in how we treat people with disabilities in Ireland by allowing them to become a part of society and enjoy water-based activities. For you as a skipper, how does it feel to have created a boat for trips on Lockery that welcome people in wheelchairs and with other disabilities? 
All I'd ever say, Jim, is after I've had people out on the boat and my, 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 my co-skippers, there are four other people trained up to this P2 level skipper's license at the department put us through on the training. So we feel very, very competent in that regard. But just get back to your point. When you look at the joy in people's faces, the joyful look in people's faces, getting out for the first time ever in most of their lives, that they're actually on a boat, that they're independently onboarding and disembarking from the boat under their own steam, either manually or in an electric wheelchair, we can take everything. It is just so uplifting that you say to yourself, wow, this is the right thing we're doing. You touched upon the the skipper's license. Do you want to tell us a wee bit about that? How long does it take to actually complete that course or what's involved? One of the things was we were told early on from the department that they send you a list of like your, your prerequisites you must have. You must have at least one year's what they call seamanship under your belt if anyone wants to go forward for training. Now that sounds very, you know, like highfalutin or whatever and very difficult to attain, but it's not. If you were a very keen angler and you've been out boating or you've been on the cruisers for years or you had your own cruiser or half-decker, well then you undoubtedly will have accumulated 12 months. It's not in one year now. It's an accumulation over maybe 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, and therefore then you have the minimum entry requirement to get in for that. That Then once they've accepted you on that and you do your ENG 11 um, medical certificate, which is a very... Um, I suppose demanding thing in a way they, they go through all of the things looking for colour blindness but fitness your lungs all of that capacity that'll be independently assessed by a medic and once you get through that then you are eligible for going forward for training we went with Bordishkawara the state training agency down in uh, Castletown Bear who are linked back to the, all the fisheries matters and the training was over three weeks. It was very arduous. For me, it, I found it very arduous. I'm now 64 years of age. I found it very arduous doing the radio operator's license because there were hundreds, literally, of acronyms and abbreviations that we had to learn and to know so that we would be licensed radio operators because otherwise we wouldn't be allowed to use that boat without having the permits. We've all done that. There are four males and one, one female involved. And we're so proud of ourselves. So we're the first bunch of P2 skippers for the area for a licensed passenger vessel here that, we've, that we're have aware of for a wheelchair accessible boat. Yeah. For the area itself, I know for the, the community of disabled people in the country that want to use it, or people even that come in for holidays in Ireland, it's, it's an absolute brilliant thing to have uh, because it opens up their access to the water and uh, sightseeing like you said or fishing or whatever it is but to the people of Bally League and Lanesborough it now opens another dimension for tourism and um, how do you feel about that? I, 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 I've been in tourism for about the last 25 years so I see how fickle tourism is look at Covid what it's done to the country ravaging our tourism industry however Ireland has wonderful resources and I've always said that where you have two boundary areas like intersected by a major river in any part of the United States where I've worked and in Canada filming throughout my life I had a, used to have a TV show over there that on any of those waterways you'd have a very strong vibrant tourism industry always related to waterways it could be jet skis it could be kayaks canoes angling in particular and I always said that the, the Bally League lanes with the river Shannon running through it that iconic waterway and then the mighty Loch Ree beside it was just waiting for something like this to become a catalyst for development we're hoping to be able to roll out additional services all with the idea of focusing on the disabled sector and the able-bodied as well to enjoy our services but on the back of that that other people start saying maybe we'll create bed nights opening B&Bs self-catering etc that's great so there's a knock-on impact for the whole economy of the area very much a trickle-down effect in rural economies okay each week I ask our guests to pick three pieces of music for us to listen to what's the first pick you have for us Alan 
My first pick is uh, Sit Down Next to Me by James. That song, back from the late 80s into the 90s, just evokes memories of great times back when Ireland were doing well in the World Cup, but more importantly, the song is about people who present differently than your average person may feel. And it's all about inclusivity, and it's all right to be different, and it's all right to be not okay. That's great. Thank you. That's coming up next.
Welcome back. I'm joined in studio today by Alan Broderick, skipper of the Lockery Access for All boat. Alan, I'd like to focus on the boat for a few minutes. Can you tell us how you identified what adaptions you needed for the boat? Was there many adaptions? And how did you go through the adaption process? We liaised very, very much with statutory bodies and in particular the IWA, the Irish Wheelchair Association. We were talking to Martin Charmy and the folks actually in the centre there, in the Kena Centre. We worked with um, James Cawley of Independent Living Ireland Movement and all of those folks and some other individuals helped us out with what they would tell us they believed were requirements for safe passage on a boat on the size of Lockery, etc. We also had feedback from the friend in Sweden, Jonas Nielsen, as I mentioned earlier, who had himself become uh, a wheelchair user after a motorcycle accident. He, being an angler, was my keen interest so that we could have understanding from what a boat would perform like out on, say, the Baltic Sea, which is his home base, Lockery, a much more safe water than that, but nonetheless still a challenging water uh, by any standards. And by a process of distilling down the information, reading up on it, online chats with people, etc., it came to the, shall we say, the basic requirements we recognised we needed, and then we were in, in touch with the a Marine Survey Office of the Department of Transport, Tourism and the Marine, and the folks in there were absolutely off the charts, understanding, um, helpful, and contributing significantly to our needs and wants. And normally I, did, I believe they don't get involved in this, but because we were a not-for-profit, they knew we were volunteers, and the nature of what we were trying to achieve, I think they got behind it at an early stage, and they were really, really superb. So the boat, it's an all-aluminium boat with continuous welding on it, which means, in effect, it's very strong and stable. And remember, it's designed and built to be operated and to ply its trade on the Baltic Sea, which is an enormous inland sea, as you know, which borders yeah. Finland, Estonia, Latvia, parts of Russia, Norway, Denmark, all of those countries. So it's an enormous body of water. And we recognise if the boat was good enough for over there, as they say, it'd be bloody well good enough for us <laughs> over here on Loch Ree. So then we told them we wanted a 1.7 metre wide drop-down ramp at the front for ease of access. No matter what wheelchair we were presented with, it could onboard very easily and disembark very easily. We wanted to have lockdown positions that were flush mounted with the deck. And all I'm saying is this, there were like rails that you would see in an adaptive vehicle for a wheelchair user, that the wheelchair could be locked and strapped down securely to the, say, the bottom of a car, well, in our case, to the deck of the boat as a belt and brace, a secure measure that if the wind got up and the boat was being slightly manoeuvred with the wind wave action, that the wheelchair user would feel absolutely secure that they're not going to manoeuvre or move one centimetre from their lockdown position. Furthermore, we have a wheelhouse that has removable sides and therefore, no matter what the weather throws at us, we can get all our wheelchair users in and indeed the carers or all able-bodied visitors if they want in underneath, drop the sides down, seal it up, and turn a heating system on. There's a heating system, <laughs> which is must be one of the most unique things I know of for the vessel of its size. The vessel is just about 29 feet long, but mm -hmm. we have a heating system. So we can, in effect, go out in all weathers to look after our clients. That's great. And in terms of, you, you touched upon the stability of the buckles that can hold the wheelchair down to make sure it stays in place. But I believe that's not all that you have. You have uh, some kind of computerised stabilisers on it. Could you talk me through that? 
Yeah, we, we, we insisted that the boat could have stabilizers if it was possible to do so. And the boat builder, Alunaut, they said, absolutely, we can do that. So these are computerized controlled baffles that are mounted on the stern of the boat. In other words, at the back of the boat where the engines are. And they are linked back to our GPS system on board the boat in the wheelhouse where the skipper is. And at all times, it's feeding information back. And if it detects wind wave action or indeed another vessel that may have passed and accelerated past our vessel, and if there's a wash from that boat that might likely cause our boat to list and sort of heel a bit, shall we say, giving it a bit of an instability for a moment or otherwise, this device puts down two baffles and it literally irons out the wrinkles of the water for us. And the boat is ultra stable. I mean, everyone says it. You don't even know that you're on a boat, it's so stable. And we've been out in different conditions testing it since we got it last uh, August into the water with the Department of the Marine coming down to the inspection. And everyone to a man and woman have said, this is an incredible craft. So I take and salute the boat builders, Alionaut in Estonia. They did a wonderful job for us. That must give a lot of reassurance to disabled people that are using the boat because uh, you've talked about previously that these people, this service isn't available anywhere in Ireland. Uh, they're, so they're coming onto a boat to do fishing or sightseeing, maybe for the first time ever. And they're wondering, geez, is this boat going to be stable? Is my wheelchair going to move around? What is it going to be like? There could be a lot of anxiety around that there. And to have all them things in place, it must be a great relief for people uh, that are coming to use your service. You've absolutely nailed it though there, Jim. You said about confidence. People want confidence that the boat will do what we say it will do. And we absolutely can say wholeheartedly, 100%, that when we meet our people and onboard them, they usually say, am I going to be scared on this? Am I going to feel the boat moving? Oh, I've never been on a boat before. Because for most of them, they have never been on a boat before. So we can reassure them of 100% that the boat is totally stable. It is a very safe journey they are on. And in fact, they hardly know that there's any movement in the water on the boat because of the design of the hull. It's a planing hull, so the boat is up out of the water once it's on drive. She has what they call reverse chines underneath near the, 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 the back of the boat at the transom and it throws the water away. Very stable dry ride. It has bow thrusters up the front so we can manoeuvre literally on a sixpence in a tight area of, a, of a, having to manoeuvre, say, in a marina or a harbour so that we are always in control because of the vulnerable nature of who we carry on board. We wanted all those design features in and we can guarantee anyone when they come out in the boat, they will be repeat customers. I can assure them of that. Yeah. In terms of actually marketing the service and all that, are you aiming for disability groups? Are you aiming for individuals that want to go out and do a bit of fishing? Or what, what kind of groups are you trying to, uh, trying to encourage into using your service? There are so many centres here in the Midlands of Ireland that have people both in residential care and, or shall we say, daycare centres. And we want to try and look for to helping those initially. And our focus has always been on people, individuals or groups of people, we welcome everyone. And it's also open for people who are able-bodied. But our priority and our focus, we make no bones about it. We give absolute assurance that we are giving our complete shall we say, effort into trying to satisfy. There's a huge pent-up demand, Jim, as you can appreciate now, given COVID's been around for 14 months, that they want to go out on this boat. They've heard about it. We are going to be rolling out our service on a commercial way in the next fortnight or so. We've been testing up to now. Because of COVID, we could not do it. There were restrictions. We've had guests of ours coming out in a non-fee-paying capacity, giving us 
their feedback and, and what their experiences are. Can we improve on certain things in relation to the, the, the clothing, etc.? So we went off and got 20 different outfits for wheelchair users, ponchos and all, very easily assembled around them in different thermal values depending on the time of the year. So we've, we've invested heavily in equipment. We've had motorised adaptive fishing reels we brought in from a small workshop that made them for us in um, the States in Ohio from two lads who are volunteers who themselves are either quadriplegic or they have, shall we say, mobility issues with their hands. And they wanted to be able to provide a service that they would take a traditional fishing reel, remove all the innards and put a motor into it so people can use a joystick, they can use either a stylus or they can use um, very little movement of their small little uh, finger, shall we say, to manoeuvre the reel and it automatically retrieves and lets the line out. It's a first in Ireland or Britain. So it's not just the boat that's adapted. You also have all these different other things that lend to creating a great experience for people that are out there. Um, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Alan, how much did it cost to buy this boat? Because it doesn't sound like it, it was cheap. Uh, this is a bespoke piece of equipment. These are bespoke things that you are buying in. Surely it was very expensive. Well, in, in, in today's terms, I think it's the best value that we've ever seen. The boat cost 173000 plus the VAT. And it is, we believe, phenomenal because its life expectancy of this boat is probably 25, 30, 40 years. It is, it is very low maintenance. As I mentioned before, there's no wood in it at all. All the stringers, which are the strengthening ribs underneath the actual deck of the boat, etc. Everything is either stainless steel or it is galvanised. Um, metal and aluminium so it is indestructible in that regard and it's continuously welded so it is a boat that has been designed for the rigours of the Irish weather the fact that we can have four seasons in one day as we always joke in this country yeah. but it's a, it's a truism as we only experienced recently we had bright sunshine we'd hail showers from sleet and then warmth from the sunshine all in the one day with some guests of ours out on a trial day only recently. So the boat has been future-proofed in that regard. It has Bluetooth on it. It has everything that we need for modern communications. And as we all know, on Loch Ree, or indeed the Shannon, you're never far from dry land or a port to drop into or safe harbour from any inclement weather. So, Alan, you've already spoke about how much this boat cost. How did you go about fundraising? And was there any government support to help you with this? There was tremendous support. Once people were presented with our, our business plan that we had drawn up, and that was about 2017, we had the business plan drawn up. Given the timeline of 2014 that I was working on this way in the background, Kieran Maloudi came on board and the other couple of lads in the Bally League Lanesbury area in 2015. Um, it sort of took its own life then and we generated momentum as volunteers trying to keep our own lives together with our own jobs. But we gave it the holly. We really put the foot on the gas pedal. And so Roscommon Integrated Development, who um, give out leader funding, they came on board and we got 75% of the cost of the 173,000 purchase price from Roscommon Leader. And we have 50,000 coming from Inland Fisheries Ireland towards the development of our new uh, Access for All Centre. There was money given by Roscommon County Council, money given by Longford County Council. We did a head shave last summer and we raised 16 grand. Um, Dolan Seafoods, or foods there in, in Lanesborough, they did a, a cycle run from I think it was Mallon down to, to Mizzen Head and I think they raised 18 grand of which they gave half to us and I think half went to Pieta House and so there's been all those sort of things going on in the background but we've had terrific support Waterways Ireland came on with 
a peppercorn rental for an old Waterways Ireland former truck shed that's now going to be repurposed and re, um, shall we say, up, up, upgraded and refurbished into a new state-of-the-art visitor centre, carbon neutral, all for the future. Alan, COVID has had a massive impact. Taking COVID out of it, what kind of uh, passenger numbers would you be hoping to achieve per year? That's a big question, Jim, and I'll try to dodge that. Because really we're at the suck it and see stage of the business, we are about a year behind where we were hoping to be in relation to our rollout programme and indeed the development. We're in what I call the embryonic stage of the business now. We have the staff trained up, we've onboarded staff, and so we've got now a paid salaried staff all, I might add, on the CSP, Community Services Programme, uh, supported by Pubble and indeed the Department of Rural Tourism and, and, and all of that. So that's a marvellous benefit to us now that we've got people in situ five days a week so they're going to answer the phone, monitor the, the, the website, up, uh, uploading information on the website. We have a booking uh, facility on the website so it's all e-commerce. Everything has been geared for the future. I'm very confident now with the vaccination programme really stepping up a gear as of like beginning of May now. You can see that by the end of August, I think that nearly 80 odd percent of the country will be vaccinated, they're saying at this stage, from the HSE, according to the latest bulletins. And I think what will happen then is we'll be able to operate. If we can do three services a day, seven days a week for around 30 weeks of the year, we'll be hitting really significant numbers of people. And if you break it down that if you had five or six wheelchair users, the carers, and indeed doing that three times a day, seven days a week for that 30 week season. And that season that I'm talking in terms of is a conservative one, because I'm always mindful of river conditions, given that they can go into flood in October, November, and or you can have it that is literally impossible to navigate out in the lake due to whatever, inclement weather. So if we work on a 30 week season, Everything else is a bonus beyond that. We can take in significant numbers there. And I think the service will become what I would call a default setting for people wanting to use it and to go and enjoy the beauty of Loch Because to me, Loch is a wilderness. It's a wilderness setting. And I think the county council should always be praised for not allowing ribbon development and indeed this bungalow bliss that you see in other counties in this country it is by and large very discreet development all around the shoreline and once you get out into Lockery, you could be anywhere in the world it's such a wilderness setting with all the wildlife bird life world-class fishing and we're hoping that we can give onshore um what i called uh, shore lunches to some of our guests as well as an added thing like a picnic lunch on one of the islands that's great alan you're obviously very passionate about the Lockery Access for All boat. Where would you like to see the service going in the future? How would you like to see it develop? Well, I'm ambitious. Kieran is very ambitious. The, everyone, everyone behind the team now that are on board, who were working as volunteers the last year and a half, who are now uh, as, as uh, staff, they are all ambitious. We'd like to see a second boat coming on stream probably in the next 24 months at the outset that we have another bespoke vessel there. I'd like to see other communities come up to us. We will show them what we're doing, show them what can be achieved and attained. And you mentioned earlier, Jim, this is the only boat of its type in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and indeed the UK. So we are a first. And we're hoping that by being the first, by being the, shall we say, trailblazers, other communities, other towns, etc., will say, we have a waterway here, we have a coastal region here that has not been serviced. We'd like to copy this and use what has been learnt from the Lockery Access for All experiences and try to then purchase a boat and have these all over the country. There's no reason why this 
service that we have here cannot be replicated and we won't be found wanting. We'll help out in any way we can. In a lot of ways, and uh, listening to you talking about this too, it's an essential service. It's about giving people the choice that haven't had the choice before. And I think it's great that you have brought it to the Midlands. I think it's going to do massively well and you should all be congratulated for doing that. But again, it comes back to it's it's a service that and I know user address this, but it's a service that should have been in place for a long time now. But unfortunately, it hasn't. Well, you know, Jim, there's this buzzword at the moment going around really for the last year and a bit since the advent of COVID wellness, mindfulness and all of that. But I see this vessel an integral part of people's well-being and their their mindfulness, their 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 their, their good like mental health and all of that. And by being out on a boat, just the beauty of seeing a different vista, a different perspective from the boat looking back on islands and the, the natural beauty of the shoreline. You see everything from a different perspective once you're out on a boat and afloat, as I call it. A life afloat is just a wondrous thing. You'll see mute swans, you'll see trumpeter swans in season, you'll see all the different uh, waterfowl, etc. You might see a peregrine falcon, you might even see a white-tailed sea eagle when you're out there. It's glorious. And I always say to people, just getting out on the water is so good for you that you can actually see people infused with enthusiasm and passion. And they always come off the boat and say, I really enjoy that I feel great I just feel great the headspace because a lot of the people we are bringing out and intend bringing out this year will have been going through the nightmare of lockdown and the isolation of that perhaps they had comorbidity problems so the underlying health conditions as well as being perhaps with reduced mobility as a major barrier so all of those things compounding their own health situation may have led to maybe depression and feelings of anxiety and indeed isolation but coming out on our boat and knowing now that they can come out repeatedly with us and we form friendships with them and that they Every time they come out, it'll be a different experience because we go to different parts of the lake, different maybe, we might go bird watch, we might go fishing, we might bring them for a shore lunch so that they will feel that they feel included, that there's no more a barrier anymore, that we've taken down barriers and our, our sort of axiom in Access for All is it's not disability, it's ability. That's all we want to know about. Are you up for it? Well, we'll bloody well do it. Brilliant. And it's great to hear that passion. Alan, you're out on Lockery. You're heavily involved in Lockery and that. I know there's been a lot of talk about the Mid Shannon Wilderness Park having Lockery uh, designated as a nature reserve. What's your feelings on that? I think it's all very laudable. I think what we need to have is that the lakes should be used and they should be managed and used for our pleasure and for sport and fun and to allow people to embrace them and not to create barriers, not to put either man-made or physical barriers there for people. The lake is a glorious lake. It's 29,000 odd acres. So it's an, a vast inland sea really in this country. And I'd like to see now we've lost to what I would call dirty or brown industries with the closure of the Borden Mona peat harvesting on an industrial scale and then the closure of both the Valley League and indeed the Shannon Bridge power stations. We would like to see that the Lockery Access for All as a team, all of us, are ambitious. We're hoping that we'll bring canoe and kayak hire to the area. We'll have this additional wheelchair accessible boat. We're looking at bringing in ribs for able-bodied people to give them a sense of adventure and exhilaration to go down around the islands on Loch Ree, etc. We're hoping to also maybe look at a very large-scale project to roll out if we can get just transition uh, funding for that. Because I see that it's the centre of Ireland. 
So as being in the centre of Ireland, it's easily accessible from all points on the compass. So there's no reason why Ballyleague Lanesborough on the north shore of Loch Ree cannot become a major tourism centre um, and a centre of excellence for all things water related and connected with the wildlife and passive things mm -hmm. like from, from uh, landscape painting, bird watching, um, kayaking, canoeing, family days out on boats, etc. And we're ambitious and we intend delivering as a being the catalyst that we will bring in partners, whoever they want to be, maybe private sector guys who'd like to come and partner with us, they have a boat, and we will enable them using our new facility there on the bank of the river as our new centre for wheelchair accessibility, and it'll be a tourism hub for the new boats that we're going to roll out. It's interesting when you say about bringing people out to see the different uh, wildlife and the different birds. I believe that there's a massive population of hooper swans that are around the Shannon and around them areas. The government has announced that there is a biodiversity crisis along with a climate change crisis. And I think that uh, the Lockery area has a key role to play in that biodiversity crisis, whether that there's through promoting ecotourism like yourself, going out to show case the kind of birds that are around the place or the type of habitats that we have because a lot of people are unaware of exactly how much wildlife there is in our own areas. One of the things as an angler I learned, I'm an angler since the time I was six years of age, it was most unusual in the sense that my dad wasn't an angler so that's most unusual that I myself am an angler. I was born to fish, I always say that. And I could never pass over a small bridge or a stream without stopping and peering down to see if there were tadpoles there, if there were small little trout, fingerlings, you know, gudgeon, little small rod, roach, whatever. And I was always fascinated with the wonderful watery world of fish. And I believe strongly, now that those two brown industries that I just mentioned previously have closed, it's a great challenge and a great opportunity at the same time for the communities in those regions, as well as the statutory agencies, to get behind a movement of perhaps showcasing the best that we can be in class as regards monitoring and looking after and caring for and nurturing this wonderful biodiverse, uh, like, shall we say, uh, ecology of the Lockery and the Shannon system in particular, this central Shannon basin, as I call it. It has the amazing water fluctuatings that go on on the Shannon Callows. We know that the, um, the Callows themselves are under pressure. We know that the environment is changing, as we know, with uh, climate change. We know that, you know, the corn crake is disappearing fast. All of these things are harbingers of what's happening and how careless we have been a, as, a, as a society. And, and I think we need to now show that we can change and turn. Our young kids are, and young adults are telling us this. Look at what they're all telling us. They want us to change. So I've been working in the background with Kieran for the last year on the project of perhaps bringing in the first all-electric 12-passenger rib, getting it built for us. We've located the builder. We've been in very advanced talks with them to get a pilot project brought in. And this boat will be absolutely zero carbon, but more importantly, it's noiseless. So as it commutes down the Shannon Corridor, all of these very shy, very, very fragile animals that live along the riverbanks, etc., won't be hassled won't be disturbed by the noises of boats and the, 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 the power of a large cruiser going by with the noise from the diesel engines churning out the water at the back. This would be silent in its progress around the place and no emissions from it can be charged overnight 
using both um, uh, what I would call green electricity generated by wind power and indeed solar power. So if we can do all that, we can say we are truly a new project embracing all of the latest in the green carbon future for our future of our children and indeed ourselves and for the next generation. And that this can be rolled out then by maybe the statutory agencies in the Harbour Masters, in Waterways Ireland, in Inland Fisheries Ireland, that they too will change from their traditional use of petrol engines or diesel engines on their, on their vessels and boats to using all electric. Because why? Now is the time to do it. It sounds like you see opportunities for ecotourism in the Lockery area. I see it as a huge opportunity, Jim. I think we're only scraping the surface. I know from my travels in Africa, I've been involved in very much in a, in a charitable project in Northern Africa on the Ethiopian border for many years. And I meet people all the time. And one of the things they always ask when I meet them in rural parts, American travellers, European travellers, etc., is they talk about greenness, that they want to have very little impact in their travels. And I suppose the irony there is they've already travelled probably on a 747 from LA or New York to get to Kenya or to Ethiopia. But they do mean to want to do something that is both productive but also meaningful with not leaving a big impact on their travels. And they all want to know, like, is this a green project that you're, you're, you're going to visit if I'm going to see something in a remote part of Kenya or in the Turkana Basin, where, which is the cradle of mankind, as we all know. And so I've taken on board a lot of that information that I garnered over the years. There's a huge, I think, pent up demand for that now with people. People have more money in their pockets as well at this stage. And a lot of people are very ambitious and want to travel more. Ireland is a very attractive destination. And if we can offer that the Midlands becomes a real standard bearer for ecotourism, I'm all for that. And I think mm -hmm. we will do it. And I believe the statutory agencies will come in behind us and support us because there's enough of us there with ambition and a loud mouth to really say this is the way forward. Next up, we're going to play Alan's second choice of music for today. What have you got for us, Alan? Um, Why Does It Always Rain On Me by Travis. It's a song I just love and... Uh, it is melancholic, but it's also glorious, and uh, this is this is one of my favourites. That's great. That's coming up next.
This product is for over 18 existing adult smokers and vapors only as it contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive substance. Nordic spirit is all around us because we are always ready for action, which is why we enjoy Nordic spirit nicotine pouches. With no smoke, no vapor and no tobacco, they are ready when we are. For adventure or chill time, for day or night, for whenever you want to make a good moment great. Nordic Spirit in smooth mint or berry citrus. It's the Nordic way to enjoy nicotine. Follow us on Instagram at NordicSpirit underscore IE. Ross FM 94.6, your community radio station for all your job vacancy adverts. Have you got job vacancies you want to advertise for unbeatable prices? Then look no further than Ross FM 94.6 for your job vacancies, which will be aired on the Business Hour show every Thursday between 5 and 6 p.m. Contact us today via email info at rossfm.ie to have your job vacancies on air. Welcome back. I'm joined in studio today by Alan Broderick. 
skipper of the Lockery Access Boat. Alan, just for a second, if you tell me how you went through the tendering process for this boat, what was involved with that? Well, as you can appreciate, Jim, once you're into the area of um, public funding coming from various bodies and the, you know, the RIDC leader funding is coming primarily from the EU, there has to be absolute open competition for anyone who wants to tender for uh, this type of craft or indeed anything. It could be the building of a shed or otherwise. So we drew up a very tight spec trying to cover all our bases and I consulted with many people and engineers and whatever and the MSO in Dublin so that we would have the boat designed and I had a lot of knowledge myself before I went into it so we knew what we needed to fulfill and facilitate the people that we were looking to help, which is people with reduced mobility, mobility issues. So the boat was going to have an overall length of about 8.6 metres long, which is nearly 28, 29 feet long. It's about 10 feet in the beam in its width. And we went through e-tenders, which was the fairest way. So it's open to everyone and anyone who is a boatyard, shipyard, shipwright, naval architect would see all these uh, opportunities and they can then they put in an expression of interest, first of all, and they get then the, the specification that can then determine whether they have the capability in-house. Or maybe you and I could work together because you have a shipyard mm -hmm. and I'm a designer and you and I could work together. But ultimately, eight or nine people showed an interest on the first expression of interest round. And when it finally then went out to get the pricing done, only one boatyard came forward. That was Alunaut of Sarima Island in Estonia. And they came in at a price of 173000 and net of VAT leaving their country and um, that's what it was and um, it was a very I was hoping that somebody in Ireland might be able to make it and, and, and would collaborate maybe a few different people with different skill sets but it, 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 it transpired there's a lot of history in boat building over there using aluminium and continuous welding in that profession and so I think it was a very easy shall we say um, project for them to take on because they had a lot of experiences going back 30, 40 years. And remember, uh, Estonia only got its independence from the old Big Bear Russia next door in 1993. So the boss of it, a fellow called Mark Maru, we, we got on really well. And he understood our needs, etc. And he built this most amazing craft and delivered it over to us on the 10th of August, 2020. That's great. Alan, your boat, uh, you're taking people out with mobility issues. There might be a bit more of a risk involved uh, trying to make sure you've got you've talked about the precautions she's taken all that. But from an insurance point of view, it must be an absolute nightmare trying to get quotes in, especially in the current insurance climate that we find ourselves in this country. I have a lot of experience dealing with insurances for the marine because of my background with boats and boating and aquaculture back in the day. And I had the fishing camp both in Canada and over on, on Loch Corrib when I was a younger guy. So I had a lot of experiences. So there's a, a company I dealt with before called Aqua Broker, Connor Baines there is the proprietor of it and he explored all the possibilities for us and because we are yes looking at uh, you know people with reduced mobility and mobility issues that would be of high risk shall we say in the event of a catastrophic event arising on the boat um, he went across Europe looking for quotations etc and it came back at a very reasonable price I believe we've got a very substantial comprehensive insurance policy in place for all perils in relation to what our needs are and for shall we say the type of work we do and indeed the uh, passengers that we're catering to and so at 4,400 per annum it might rise somewhat this year but we are confident that because we have highly trained and specialised and licensed skippers and two persons manning the boat at any one time, 
there's a reduction, I suppose, taken on board by underwriters in Germany who are the main people, Fiducia Marine, they are called. They were very keen once they realised that they had licensed skippers dealing with this boat, not just Johnny Wannabes at a weekend taking this on as a project. This is serious business, a serious undertaking, and we are very tightly controlled in our regulations with the department, and we cannot blow our nose, literally, without their consent in that regard. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but it's very <laughs> tightly controlled. And therefore, I think there's an element of comfort that the insurance underwriters and indeed uh, Aqua Broker have that we are professional and we will deliver professional service. Okay. Alan, I've talked about the boat, but it takes a crew to maintain a disability access boat on the waters. Can you tell me a bit about the team you work with and why they got involved? All of the people who came on board really had been in a voluntary capacity for some time. And I suppose it's just a process of time served, etc. And then we, we, we put out a call for, for jobs there in the last six weeks and we had an enormous response and it was out on, I think, your own channel here. It was on the local paper. And um, we had it out there on, on, on jobs.ie. And we had different positions going from, from uh, backroom people, uh, both uh, at a digital level and at, um, you know, reception, meet and greet and all of that, bookkeeping, etc., to the front of house people. And then the boat skippers and the, 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 the servicing and maintenance of the boat and the general looking after and what I would call seamanship qualities of people so we, we were inundated with a lot a lot of people so over a process of uh, evaluating and then going for the interviewing process it was distilled down to a number of candidates that ticked all the boxes had a lot of training a lot of people had and we then were able to handpick those people who score the highest in the various different categories and we have a really great team on board who have a love for working with people with disability. I always say that you have to love what you do every day yeah. and they love wanting to help people. And so there's a generosity of spirit and a kindness there that's imbued in the people. OK, Alan, for people listening that would like to find out more about the Lockery Access for All uh, boat, how can they get in contact with you? I suppose our best drop in thing is lockreboattrips.com our website lockreboattrips.com and you'll see everything you need to know about it you'll be able to see some uh, FAQs that you need to maybe have questions answered but also you can go there click on the button and book yourself a trip brilliant stuff Okay, that's all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank my guest, Alan Broderick, for taking the time uh, to come in today to have a chat with me. Margaret McHugh for helping me produce the show and Louis Fargo, my researcher. Uh, join me next Thursday from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. for more of the business show. Our last pick of the day from Alan is... Hotel California by the Eagles. Why? It's just a feel-good song. That's great. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, Jim, for having me in.
Hi, Jim McCausland here, presenter of the Business R Show on Ross FM. Just dropping by to let you know the Business R Show airs every Thursday from 5 pm to 6 pm on Ross FM 94.6. To listen in, visit rossfm.ie forward slash live or download my weekly podcast from anchor.fm forward slash the Business R Show. Text your questions and comments to 083-85-99748 or info at rossfm.ie. The Business R Show, supporting local and international business through local radio. This product is for over 18 existing adult smokers and vapors only as it contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive substance. Nordic spirit is all around us. Because we are always ready for action, which is why we enjoy Nordic Spirit nicotine pouches. With no smoke, no vapour and no tobacco, they are ready when we are. For adventure or chill time, for day or night, for whenever you want to make a good moment great. Nordic Spirit in smooth mint or berry citrus. It's the Nordic way to enjoy nicotine. Follow us on Instagram at nordicspirit underscore ie.